I gotta get you out of here. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I know that laugh. When we left off, Leia had just removed the helmet of a bounty hunter she had uh, stolen the costume of to rescue Han Solo, but the happy moment doesn't last much longer because immediately they have been found out by the sneaky Jabba and Jabba's gang, and now Han is once again going to be taken prisoner along with Leia. So Han's put in a prison cell with Chewie, Leia is stripped down to a golden metal bikini, and is made Jabba's slave uh, to kind of replace the gruesomely murdered uh, Ula, the, mm. the Twi'lek from the last uh, 20. Uh, of course, there is one more visitor who might show up at Jabba's palace. Han doesn't have a whole lot of faith in that, in spite of what Chewie told him. But Dark Shadow appears, uses the Force to break his way into Jabba's palace, gets an audience with Jabba, and tries to bargain for Solo's life, which of course is rejected. And then that dark figure, who of course is Luke Skywalker, gets swallowed up by a, uh, a pit in the floor. Yes, and so he falls down to the pit, which we now know is the home to a beast, which we discover is the Rancor, which is this massive, disgusting monster. Luke fights the Rancor uh, and actually wins, is able to crush it in a door. This is very maddening to Jabba and the staff. So Luke and Han and Chewie are all sentenced to death by the, uh, the, the Sarlacc pit, of course, in the Dune Sea, which is a much more torturous, much more miserable death than they ever could have imagined. They're all put on a, a barge and shipped out into the, into the desert. Yes, Luke uh, warns Jabba one final time uh, to, to surrender. But Jabba laughs, of course, because why? Of course, he's going to just kill Luke. And then Luke calls upon R2 to shoot him his lightsaber. Luke catches it and goes on a rampage of saving himself and Han. There's a big shootout. The good guys win. A bunch of bad guys uh, either run away or fall into the Sarlacc pit. And uh, ultimately, everybody gets away, and it's a pretty happy ending. Oh, and by the way, Leia chokes Jabba the Hutt to death. Yes, so Leia chokes Jabba the Hutt to death. All of our good guys get away. Uh, A lot of bad guys meet their demise. Boba Fett has one of the lamest deaths ever, although we don't know if that killed him or not. We'll find out potentially at some point down the road, but... And then uh, we uh, go back to the new and improved Death Star where the Emperor has just landed and is meeting with Darth Vader face-to-face for the first time in the Star Wars saga, and they have an ominous conversation. Yeah, they kind of have a conversation about Luke and Vader's interest in still pursuing uh, pursuing Luke. So Go back to what you said about Boba Fett. Do we or do we not know whether or not he survives the Sarlacc? Boba In Legends, he did. Okay. He did. He crawled out. He was able to find his way out. But we don't know what his canon death is now or, or what the whether he survived that or not. This kind of puts your I'll believe it until we're proven otherwise approach to Legends in an interesting bind because mm-hmm. theoretically canon indicates that Boba Fett died mm-hmm. very lamely by the Sarlacc pit. Um, and probably his death is more impressive in Legends, if there in fact is one. But that was only ever written to correct the fact that his death was so lame, which now Disney has kind of unwritten. Yeah. I mean, it's, it puts it in a kind of a different position here, and I know we'll chat about it a little bit later on with uh, the talk of standalones and such, but Boba Fett, I mean, if they ever did a Boba Fett movie, they have the option of doing it between three and four, doing it at some point during the original trilogy, 
or potentially doing it after. And that would provide confirmation to the fan base that he did indeed survive. In the chaos that is that shootout battle, uh, Han is really struggling. He can barely see. He's he's doing okay, but there's a lot of clumsiness. And ultimately, he's what uh, um, <laughs> very klutzily kills Boba Fett with like the back end of that big... Uh, spear hose thing he's holding on to. Uh, he keeps shouting, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, and he's saying it in kind of a weird intonation. Are you noticing that? Yeah. He, it's, he's not saying Boba Fett like we always say with the emphasis on the Fett. He's saying Boba Fett, Boba Fett. And it's very loud. You can very, uh, very only very lightly hear him, but the idea is that Chewbacca is warning him about Boba Fett, Boba mm-hmm. Fett, Boba Fett. Is that the only time Boba Fett is actually said out loud in, so. these, in these movies? Yeah, I believe so. Which is ridiculous. Although Attack of the Clones probably said Boba Fett then. Uh, yeah, th- this is my son, Boba. Yeah. And little weird Boba. Uh. Uh, but yeah, no, Han says at one point, I think my eyes are getting better. Instead of a big dark blur, I see a big light blur. <laughs> so yeah, he barely could see anything. I really like that exchange, actually. Luke then says, there's nothing to see. I used to live here, you know. Well, you're going to die here, you know. Yeah. Convenient. Convenient. Jabba, I'll pay you triple. You're throwing away a fortune here. Don't be a fool. Yeah. Han just... So, like, pathetically begging for his life in this. <laughs> but uh, triple is a lot because I think he has over 200,000 uh, Imperial credits on his head at that time. So if triple, it would be over 600,000. It's a lot of money. It's a fortune, I guess, just for one guy who he happens to hate and likes to play around with. Here's a great one. Hey, Jabba, look, Jabba. I was just on my way to pay you, but I got payback, but I got sidetracked. <laughs> it's not my fault. Yeah. Look, Jabba, I was just on my way to pay you back, and I got a little sidetracked. It's not my fault. I never noticed the it's not my fault before. Yeah. So I that... love watching it in these 20s. It really allows you to pick up on small, small details that you would never pick up on. And if you're watching Star Wars in two straight hours, you're not picking up on that line unless you're looking for it. So you think it's not my fault is an intentionally reoccurring uh, catchphrase by by either Han Solo or Lando? I see it as, yeah, like the, it's just another example of the smugglers shifting blame on someone else. Right. Uh, these shady kind of guys who are able to worm their way out of any situation they can. Uh, well, in some cases it is their fault, like in this case, but sometimes it's not. Well, no, that, and that's the thing. Sometimes it isn't, but... I think it's fitting because they're the kind of characters where they would say that an awful lot. They must yeah. have, they must be put in an awful lot of scenarios where That's their right. back is up against the wall and they have to try and make it seem like it wasn't them who pulled the shady shit. But let's face it, Han and Lando always were the ones pulling the shady shit. Old Han Solo in The Force Awakens never drops a it's not my fault, does he? With the, I don't know. With the Rathtar scene? Uh Probably not. I don't he, think so. I mean, it's kind of the, the tone of that conversation, but I don't think he actually uses the words, it's not my fault. No, I don't think so. It, it's definitely more of a, like, chaotic Han line. It's not one of his cool... It's not a cool line. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, we were talking last week about how the introduction of Chewbacca to Han Solo in the movie Solo, in that pit where you think there's going to be some scary beast and then it turns out to be the Wookiee, uh, that appeared to be mirroring the introduction of the Rancor in Return of the Jedi. Having watched this 20, where Han and Chewie meet again in a cell in Jabba's palace, I actually think it was referring to that, that Han gets put in this prison cell where Chewie already is, and it's dark, and you hear a growl, and Han goes, Chewie, is that you? I think that's probably what was being referred to in Solo when they first meet. Yeah, I'm going to disagree on that one. I do think it's a callback to the Rancor, and that that was the image they were trying to portray, just because Han isn't, there's not a moment where the audience thinks potentially it's not Chewie. 
it's pretty obviously chewy in this scene you in, in return, of the, scene, jedi. In return yeah. of the jedi whereas in solo you really don't know what's coming we know chewy's coming at some point but like i had forgotten until i first heard that like the first second of um of Chewy speaking. Chewy speaking. Yeah. yeah. Actually, my favorite Han line in this twenty happens in that scene where Chewie's kind of ch- catching him up, and they're talking about Luke Skywalker, and mm-hmm. Han and yep. Han says, "A Jedi Knight, I'm out of it for a little while, and everybody's got these delusions of grandeur." Yeah, that was my favorite line too. He says it in almost like a Woody Allen kind of way. He says it in such a way that's like really putting Luke down to the shit. And let's say I criticize Luke Skywalker all the time because I think that's kind of the point. It's typical. Yeah, I, I think that is the point. I think. Luke Skywalker is the flawed hero that we all can identify with. Yeah, he's not that flawed. Oh, I think he is. He's he's whiny, but he's not he's not that. He doesn't have any character flaws. He doesn't ever actually make the wrong choice. That's why the last Jedi is my favorite Luke Skywalker. Yeah, well that me too. Yeah. By a landslide. Yeah. And that's the thing and I know that's super divisive because there is problems with the last Jedi, but the only thing I didn't like about last Jedi Luke Skywalker was not getting a moment of him grieving about Han. And that's right. in a deleted scene that just should never have been cut anyway. So, Right, but it's not really the, the Star Wars movies to dwell a lot on death. Well, no, and that's the thing. It's war. And yeah. that's a really important thing. And what Ryan Johnson was trying to do with that movie was to allow the characters to have individual pockets of grieving mm-hmm. as opposed to just like one big thing that they got out of the way with at the start, but showing that war people have to move on. And yeah. so they get their little small times, but... There's never ever there's never a point other than like Qui Gon's death where anyone really thinks twice about someone's death in Maybe Star because Wars because he has a funeral scene. Well, yeah, yeah. And I mean like Vader has one, but that's not really the same thing. Luke just burns him in the woods. Uh, yeah, and that's during an otherwise like pretty happy happy, happy well, celebration. Absolutely. Well, think about the first death we ever know Luke to experience, which is the death of yeah. Owen and Beru Lars. Oh, that's the point. Yeah. And like we've talked at length <laughs> about how he doesn't grieve them long enough. He hasn't seen Han Solo in 20, 30 years. Why would he be any different? Well, no, that's the thing. It's we are expecting and legends loaded up the years after Return of the Jedi with tons of interactions where different adventures that Han and Luke would have been on together. And so I think it's that being ripped away from a lot of fans that bothered people and it definitely bothered um, the notion that like it's it, it you can't, can't go home sort of moment that Mark Hamill feels like. Yeah. And, and I do get that, but... Uh, I don't know. I liked it. All right. Give me your uh, give me one of your questions. I only have two questions. A really really easy one and a really really hard one. Uh, I have some. I think I actually did a really good job this week. Do you think I actually stand a chance here? Yeah, okay. I do. All right. I think you should get the first one. All right. I think you should get my paddle on one. I think you had a a decent shot at, the, at my night one. And good luck on the last one. <laughs> but it's one that you can get. Okay. It's absolutely one you All can right. get. Uh, what color are Boba Fett's shoulder pads? Uh, are they orange? close really okay. close like yellowy gold all right They're... i can kind of picture them yeah yeah they definitely don't match the rest of his his armor why is that do you know i mean he painted the whole suit it's um i assume i think he painted it um it's different from when his father wore it yeah yeah i guess that's a good point uh it's just his father's stolen mandalorian armor yeah isn't it i i, I, I actually i forgot about that it's, yeah. it, if it's not canonized it most likely that's his father's that's what i would that's what i assumed when i very first watched it right 15 years ago but uh, yeah i kind of forgot about I wonder that what the impetus behind that was when george lucas went back and created Django fett for attack of the clones i wonder why he decided okay we're going to use the same armor to indicate that this is the same family hmm why are we going to make it blue? Just so he's distinguishable from 
from Boba Fett. Different action figure. Yeah, you're right. Different action figure, so you don't mix them up in the bunch, and that way it allows you to have another Mandalorian, which neither of them are Mandalorians, but that's the only sample of Mandalorian armor we got for so, so, so long. What is a Mandalorian? Uh, just, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a race. It's a, it's a planet, Mandalorian. Um, it's, they're, a, they're a race with a great history of being warriors and fighters. Uh, they were almost a third side of the Old Republic, whereas you had the Jedi and the Sith and the Mandalorians kind of were their own thing. Okay. Great fighters, um, but their armor uh, was adopted by the Fets, not because they're Mandalorian, just because it was useful. Is it like, what's that, what's the vibranium? Is it like super great metal? No. No? No, they're just, it's just... Uh, it's a style. Yeah, it's, it's a style, and they're outfitted, and Mandalorians themselves, like the armor is very representative uh, in Rebels. Sabine, the character, she's a, she's a Mandalorian, and she uses it to express herself. She's an artist, so hers is very, very colorful. Like, she's got, like, pink and orange all over her, so... Right. Yeah, it's really cool. You see different styles of Mandalorian armor and different rankings. Like, you'll see people who are higher-ups with different ones. The, them flying around in jetpacks is what is really fucking cool. <laughs> that is easily the coolest Mandalorian scene you can have. How long does it take for the Sarlacc to digest a person? 1,000 years. <laughs> you will therefore be taken to the Dune Sea and cast into the pit of Karkoon, the nesting place of the all-powerful Sarlacc. Doesn't sound so bad. In his belly, you will find a new definition of pain and suffering as you are slowly digested over a thousand years. <laughs> Second thought, let's pass on that. Yeah, that's a long time. And the implication here is that there's no chewing involved, that you just get swallowed up and you have to endure acidic decomposition for, I guess, until you die of old age or until you die of starvation. Yeah, it's really gross. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, and pit- he eats a lot of people in this sequence. Pit of Carcoon, yeah, not a place where you want to fall. Well, what is the Pit of Carcoon? Because we know the Sarlacc is like a monster that lives beneath the sand. Yeah, the Pit of Carcoon is just... That's the pit that the Sarlacc lives in. Okay. Yeah, that's... See, when I was a kid, I think I just saw the pit as the monster. Hmm. I had a, And even now, I have a difficult time distinguishing what is the sand and what is the, the beast. Yeah, I think it's one of those six of one, half a dozen of the other. doesn't right. really matter. They're both right. kind of referring to the same thing. But it's stationary, the Sarlacc. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't think there's any way that thing can move. It's a very interesting thing. Is it one of a kind? Are there more of them on Tatooine? I don't know. That's a really good point. They kind of refer to it with the definite article, like maybe that is the dreaded Sarlacc. Uh, and where did it come from? And is it, what's what's grown it? Is it a pet of Jabba the Hutt? I guess it probably is. It's probably part of Jabba's army in some capacity. Uh, so it's a carnivorous creature. Uh, it is a favorite pet of Jabba the Hutt. There you go. Uh, it inhabited the Great Pit of Carcoon in the Dune Sea of Tatooine. It shared common ancestry with other species, including the Rathtar, the Blixus, and the Vixus. Interesting. So interesting connection to Rathtars. It's kind of cool. So that's those big gooey things that invade the Falcon in, in Force, Force Awakens. Awakens. Yeah, that is like a mini Sarlacc. That's in interesting. A, in a or family same family so that's kind of oh, that's very kinda interesting interesting at least yeah yeah that's kind of gross i actually don't hate the the rathtar sequence as much as some people do i don't hate it i just think it disrupts the flow of the movie and is insanely unnecessary i don't know i think it actually serves the purpose of, of showing what han has been up to his old ways yeah no i agree i just i didn't think it was the right like you know how we chatted before about the kind of the creature from the black lagoon 
yeah. and how that was probably an attempt at that. Maybe. I think it was just, I think it was a failed attempt. Yeah, I guess so. Because it, it doesn't have an ominous level to it, and that's what I don't like. It's just in-your-face monster. It's yeah. not like this looming presence. You're right. It's just an action sequence. It's not, it's not uh, terrifying at all. Yeah, it's really not. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, speaking of pets, uh, I've always been kind of curious about this guy who seems to be the wrangler for the Rancor in Jabba's palace. So Luke crushes the, the Rancor. And by the way, that he activates the big hydraulic door by throwing a rock at it and not using force push seems a little ridiculous to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the <laughs> Rancor dies beneath the door. And then the guy with the weird leather uh, cowl thing comes in and he starts crying, which is corny. That implies that the Rancor was his pet mm-hmm. and not like a slave beast. So Malakili. Okay. That's the name of the uh, caretaker of the Rancor. Okay. And so he worked for Jabba and he would take the Rancor out for walks. All right. And So he's uh, sort of like a Steve Irwin? Of, I of... guess. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of, he's his handler. Yeah. Uh, but interesting thing was uh, a pack of Tusken Raiders attacked them. The Rancor killed all the Tusken Raiders, and now Malakili was uh, like indebted and in love with his with his pet Rancor. They had a great relationship, so that's the reason why he was upset. Rancor had saved his life at one point. Oh my God! But there's like nothing. I mean, that's the now thing that's about Wikipedia legends. But that's the thing about Wookies, though, is that they're supposed to be these like feared, scary things. Except ours is cuddly and and cute. It's not cute, but like he's like he's got a charm to his look. Whereas the Rancor, there's just nothing. Like, you know how people have, like, pet rats and pet snakes? On some level, I guess I can see how that's, like, stoic. But there's nothing charming or endearing about the look of a Rancor. How can you love something with a face like that? When you work for Jabba the Hutt? (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of characters in there. Jabba the Hutt's animatronics in this 20 were very impressive to me. Yeah. We talked last week about how it took six people to man the animatronic Jabba the Hutt. Do you think uh, Frank Oz had any input on the the movement of Jabba? I don't know. It's a really interesting point. He made a head movement at one point where I was like, oh, that kind of looked like a, like a Muppet-esque thing. Hmm. That's interesting. No, Jabba the Hutt, I was, uh, I was watching a documentary. Uh, I don't remember which one. That's not good. Uh, it was, I, I can't give it credit, but uh, it's one of the ones that was officially done by Star Wars. And they were just chatting about the different kind of variations that they had for Jabba and like, what kind of style they wanted. And eventually, like, they had gone with dozens and dozens of different styles. And eventually, someone came up with this giant, disgusting, like, shapeless slug. Yeah. And George Lucas loved it. <laughs> I mean, I kind of love it, too. Oh, it's great. And, I, and the reason why I think I love Jabba so much, and I was cloning into I you would met you'd made fun of me a while back like I like Jabba. But I realized Jabba was um an action figure that I had yeah. when I was little and I'm trying to think now and the odds are Jabba must have just always been the villain because I love Darth Vader too much. I'm not gonna kill off Darth Vader, but you can always kill Jabba. <laughs> That's right, and there's no good streak in Jabba. No, exactly. So when you like when you're a kid, like Darth Vader is redeemed in the end. Jabba's just pure evil. Yeah, but then every once you know that Darth Vader's redeemed in the end, and as you always say, like I don't remember a time before I knew that. Exactly. I always have sympathy for Darth Vader, even exactly. when he's still in his pure evil state, whereas Jabba never reaches that. He's just greedy. Exactly. So there's kind of a joy in watching someone who's just uh, just unrelentingly bad. Hmm. Well, it's interesting, and there's there's kind of a representation of that for each movie. You have Tarkin... You have um, Jabba, and you have 
I guess Jabba doesn't. Jabba and the Emperor are both in six. Not there's not really anyone in Empire. Yeah, who's, who's kind of a third I I, level. I, I think tier of evil. I, I agree with what you're saying about Jabba and the Emperor being on the same level. They have it, like they both crave power and and riches. Well, I was just going on the notion of in terms of having like that additional villain, but it doesn't really work because there isn't for Empire. It's two for Return. Right. Yeah. No. Tar- Tarkin doesn't really have a. I don't even necessarily think Tarkin is greedy. I think Tarkin is just a really... He's just really good at his job. He's evil. Uh, is he? He's a fascist evil yeah. person. He blows up he's planets fascist, for fun. True. Yeah. No, I don't think it is for fun. I think it's for a purpose that it's he believes It's to prove in. a point. Yeah. But let's face it. He's proving a point so out in the open. Like, you know what? Okay. Even if it is on Dantooine, even if your rebel base is on Dantooine, we're going to blow up Alderaan because it makes a better message to yeah, the rest of the galaxy. You're right. That Let's was blow a, up the peaceful planet. That was like a fascist dictatorial thing. Yeah, you're right. Tarkin's pure evil. Yeah. No, I was trying to look at, at Tarkin as like Tarkin was with the organization before it was considered mm-hmm. fascist, like when it was just the Republic. Yep. And that's true. And that was, that's what's so interesting. And I, sorry, I hate to interrupt you, but you mentioned Flappy Hat a little while back, yes. Captain Panaka. Uh, he actually became a high-ranking Imperial officer. I just happened across that information. Is this the guy in the Phantom Menace with, yep. the, with the little pistol? Yep, the Flappy Hat, Captain okay. Panaka. Uh, yeah, because he never changed sides, and I thought that was really interesting. He became the, um, the captain um, or the commander of a, of a uh, Star Destroyer. That's a character that probably could have been developed further in episodes two and three. Like he was, he had a lot of prominence in Phantom Menace. He was like, he was on that Amidala ship. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a ton of dialogue, but he was always around and he was good for some exposition. And he's a hero. He's a heroic person, even though he didn't have a lot of backstory. I'm kind of surprised I haven't heard more about him. Yeah. Since then. No, that's a good point. He replaced him with Eyepatch Guy. So, so Eyepatch Guy is a different person? Yes. Yeah. I forgot entirely about Eyepatch Guy. Yeah, there. Uh, I just kind of saw him as taking that kind of that role. Yeah, but it's not an essential role. It's just no, it's, it's not. just a place where they could have created a little more humanity. It's it's a handler. It's almost like a bodyguard. Yeah, I guess that's kind of true. Yeah, yeah. a right hand. Any other lines? I've got a I've got a few good. Uh, some dialogue. Well, uh, this is a really great Han line when he shouts back after three PO's uh, kind of decree of their of their execution. Han shouts back, three PO, you tell that slimy piece of worm ridden. Filth, he'll get no such pleasure from us. That's a great line. And I love the hesitation before filth. Because yeah. he's like, how can I make this sound worse? Oh, filth. Well, let's face it. They've been giving <laughs> Jabba so many glorious like adjectives. Yeah. Exalted one. Yeah. God. His great exaltedness at one point. Yes, that's right. They from- used it again. <laughs> uh, it's too late for that solo. You may have been a good smuggler, but now you're bantha fodder. Oh, yeah, that is good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's really good. Um, let's see. There's another good one here. Luke, Luke's crazy. He can't even take care of himself, much less rescue anyone. (laughs) Actually, I found when Luke showed up to the palace, uh, and we talked about how his hair looked kind of silly in the hologram last week, when he shows up in person and he's talking to Jabba and the idea is supposed to be, oh, Luke has matured and he's stronger now and he's more collected and he's more one with the force. So some of it is a put on. Some of it is to show that he's experimenting with the dark side. Well, he chokes people. No, I know. And I was, I was, was going to bring that up too. I don't think that is intentionally him experimenting with the dark side. I think that is, oh, we learned in the last movie that the force can do this. Let's have Luke do it. And then realize after the fact that wasn't very honorable of him. Yeah, I would say that, except for the fact that George Lucas made Greedo shoot first. 
If he changed that, he would have changed Luke Skywalker for stroking people. And George Lucas has also stated that Luke intentionally wears black the entire movie. Yeah. And then as soon as he throws down his saber and is becoming electrocuted by the Emperor, choosing good over evil, the white, the inside of his shirt, opens up and you get to see the good inside. <laughs> it's, it's, it's true. As yeah. soon as he makes that clear distinction, like that decision that I am not going dark, they show that. And it's it's I know it's kind of lame, but it, it is one thing that they do. It's kind of represent and Keep in mind, once again, you and I have only ever known Luke Skywalker to stay pure. Yeah, that's true. So, so when yeah. you're first watching Return of the Jedi, there's a decent chance that everyone is there. Like, is he going to turn? And like, I've never, I've, I can't, I can't speak on behalf of experiencing the thought of him potentially turning. It's just, Especially as a critical adult. Well, because yeah, it was just never an option. Right. And this also, anyone who thinks Mark Hamill is good at storytelling should also be told that Mark Hamill wanted Luke to turn. Yeah. So as much as I do absolutely adore Mark Hamill, right. and I think he is insanely, uh, it's just a phenomenal ambassador for Star Wars True. and for nerd culture and just because he seems so wonderful, but he is not a, he's not a storyteller and a writer and people need to think of that. Just because Mark Hamill didn't like, oh, that's not my Luke Skywalker. That's Jake Skywalker or something. <laughs> no, it's not. It's Luke Skywalker. Yeah. He didn't like what George Lucas did a lot of the time. Right. He specifically wanted a girlfriend. Oh. And that was the interesting thing. He was he was like so specifically like, okay, fine. You're going to give Ka okay, Carrie and, and Harrison, they're going to be a couple. Can I have a girlfriend then, George? I kind of love that they don't give Luke an, a love interest through the whole saga. Well, no, I, I agree with that too. I think, it, I think it does make a lot of sense. Uh, but it's just interesting. Like Mark Hamill's priorities were on, okay, well, maybe he can turn to the dark side or maybe he can get a girlfriend. Can George, can he get a girlfriend? Yeah. Like, his priorities were not anywhere remotely where they should have been. No. Because he was a 23 four 25 year old kid and also because there were only two movies at that point yeah exactly. we have so much more broad perspective now i actually never really thought about how overt star wars leans on colors for the sake of telling you whether or not you can trust somebody oh my yeah. like i mean obviously like blue means good guys red means red means bad guys and interestingly we talked about why they chose the green lightsaber him having a green lightsaber kind of contributes to what you're talking about, how it's not definitively red or blue. And so there gets to remain that mystery about the allegiance of Luke Skywalker through that final installment. And that's not something I ever really thought of. And I, you had been the one to mention that to me. And I really like that in terms of I've always saw green as being just the other al good. along with yeah, yeah. The, the other good along with blue. But this would have been the first time. And so although it was probably accidental, George Lucas did make a good decision in that regard by potentially adding a little bit more ambiguity in there as well. They actually didn't linger on the green lightsaber in this movie. Like, it was no. probably when you're watching it for the first time, you're like, you see the green, and then they cut. And I'm sure people in the theaters were like, did you just see that? And then, of course, they go back to it and they show it. But, like, it's not like a big moment where you hear the lightsaber blade and then they pan up from his feet to show something different. Like, they didn't, they didn't make a meal out of the green lightsaber, which I actually kind of appreciate. Yeah, that's a really good point because it's something that fans would have almost wanted now. And it, yeah. it's, it's interesting. Look at the way the treatment that Graflex gets. Yes. Uh, because you have so many people were upset about Luke tossing it over his shoulder. And then you have that extent, like that extended moment of Ray reaching out her hand. Or when she sees it for the first time at Maz's castle. Or when she pulls it out of the snow and it goes right into, like, it is, it's treated like Excalibur in The yeah. Force Awakens, which is a style I really loved. Yeah. It, I don't like limiting lightsabers. Mm -hmm. I think that's a bad thing for Star Wars. But I did like the scarcity of it 
in the Force Awakens. Probably the one of the. It was really done. It was really done well for yeah. how minimal lightsaber use there was. It was done extremely well. Well, who's to say there aren't more lightsabers out there in trunks underneath people's beds? But because they're a symbol of the Jedi mm. in the age of uh, the, uh, the 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 what's the term? The Resistance. In mm. the age of the Resistance, you keep your lightsabers hidden. Mm. Abs- well, at this point, who knows? Maybe we, not. We now. really have no idea as to what the the force landscape of the galaxy is nope. at this specific point. We right. assume it's per, it's kind of in peril and that people are not being identified because that's why everybody wants Luke Skywalker to return. When Luke Skywalker returns to Jabba's castle to free his friends, what I was going to say is that he shows up with all of this swagger mm. and he almost has like a weird British accent. Nevertheless, I'm taking Captain Solo and his friends. You can either profit by this, or be destroyed. It's your choice, but I warn you not to underestimate my power. Which I guess is supposed to show that he has matured, and like he's like very collective with his words, and he's very articulate. Now he's very articulate, but like it, particularly with one line, and I'll have to go find it. He has he says something that just sounds like, "Why are you being British now?" Yeah, well, maybe that runs in the family because yeah. Leia does that a couple times. She does a lot in the original movie. I was going to say anything you want to take back, any any kind of uh, cringy stuff that didn't work for you, doesn't hold up over time. I don't like Luke choking the guards, although okay. I like the concept of teasing out the experimenting with the dark side. I, ju- I don't like it. I do think that should have been, um, if you're going to fix one of that or Han shooting first, yeah. fuck George, fix this one. <laughs> it's openly brutal. Yeah. Especially since he is capable of mind control. And he also, he's like staring them in the eyes yeah. and just like sweeps them out of his way while choking them. It's it's very like menacing. Totally. <laughs> the gun used by Han Solo uh, was sold this week at a movie prop mm-hmm. auction for $550,000. That's a lot of money. Han Solo's pistol specifically from Return of the Jedi. So not even the original Han Solo pistol more than half a million dollars. It's not the Han shot fir- pe- first pistol, for example. That's a good point. Still sold for over half a million dollars this week, just so somebody can have it in their house. Man, having that much money. I know. Must be nice. Just to take the best selfies. It would be pretty cool, though. <laughs> yeah, I know your Instagram would do that be good. Han pose. It's also really great uh, uh, burglary bait, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, definitely wouldn't want people to know I had that. No, put that on the black market. <laughs> Uh, I got a couple more takebacks, actually. Some okay. interesting ones. Those magnetic arms that come out of the bottom of the speeder as our rebels escape yeah. and pick up the droids out of the sand. I had that, too. That was convenient. Yeah. That they had that plan worked out and that they knew that was going to be able to work. They and knew exactly. And like, pushed 3PO off the barge. Yeah. And that, that was too well planned. They knew exactly where they were and that those magnetic arms could land on them exactly right without mm-hmm. having to realign themselves. Because I get it if that is being used as like a metal detector almost, like they scan over area to like to get like some scrap metal and such. Yeah. That's fitting for Tatooine. But they're not the only droids around. But the fact that they were paced, spaced perfectly apart and that they were able to, it, it was just too perfect. It was a little too perfect. And it was a bit of a, a hole. And this is another one. And this is an interesting thing that a lot of people talk about. A lot of people talk about and we would be remiss to not. What was Luke's plan going in? Yeah, he was super confident, eh? Because he was so confident and it's not like he could have planned for him to, to fall down to the Rancor pit. No. 
So, like, what was the plan? What did he hope was going to happen? I think he's got to assume. He has to assume that Jabba. Like, did he know that Jabba was going to take him out to the Petter Carcoon? Does he know that's how Jabba kills everybody and that he would not be able, he wouldn't be killed on sight? He would be killed out there, but how come you didn't get dropped in? Like, it, it just doesn't add up. Well, and to that point, it's almost like getting the jump on them when he springs himself off of that, that plank. Mm. Uh, that offered them a bigger arena to kind of take back control of the situation. Yes. If they had to spring violence on everybody in Jabba's palace, they all would have been killed. They all would have died. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm really curious to know because he couldn't have planned for everything to fail. He did try and negotiate. Yeah. And what, what would have happened, though? What would have happened if they said, sure, and then 3PO and R2 are then given to Jabba? Right. Does maybe, he now maybe, have to go back and rescue them? Maybe he was bluffing. Well, I think he was. Yeah. But he, there's no way he could have predicted. Maybe it was just him trying to get the Force to guide him. But this plan, it worked out too well. It worked out way, 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 way too well. Right. There were a lot of things that Luke couldn't have accounted for. Let's unpack that big yelp that Lando lets out when the when the Sarlacc wraps its tongue around his leg and appears to be about to eat him. He lets out this kind of Wilhelm scream. It is, yeah. Uh, and at first I kind of hated it, and then I realized, no, this is a princess doing his best, but like ultimately is out of his element mm-hmm. in this situation, and he screams the way a person would scream. I kind of appreciated that. It was not a heroic moment, but it was a human moment. Yeah, that's really true, and it's nice to to humanize these characters whenever we can because... You know, and in a few more 20s, Lando is going to blow up. He's going to kill millions of more people than Luke did, and he's going to blow up the next Death Star. Seriously. All these people have things that really take them out of being realistic humans, so it's nice when they can be humanized. I I don't think enough is made out of the fact that Luke's hand gets shot. Okay, why? Is it his robot hand? Yeah. Okay. And we do kind of see him adjusting it when he's back in the X-Wing a little bit later Mm -hmm. on, Uh, although you think that would have to be repaired because it's been black it's been destroyed mm. he was able to continue going on so likely it but that's my problem off. is that like he was shot right square in the palm of his robot hand that would have to render his hand unusable i don't know maybe it's pretty durable but yeah that's a good point yeah there's definitely some holes there i take exception although it's to that. a super cool 20 it is it's one oh, of the coolest in all of Star it's, Wars. It's got so much style and it's got a very specific look that we don't mm. see elsewhere that's true the barge and the dune sea yeah couple other good quotes here. A nice exchange between uh, Luke and Han. Are you all right? Fine. Together again, huh? Wouldn't miss it. How are we doing? The same as always. That bad, huh? That bad, huh? <laughs> yeah, you're right. That is very good. Um, good banter. That's, that's, that's writing a play. Mm. That's, that's not uh, writing an action movie. That's writing a play. Well, in that kind of banter, there need, there's, that's great banter. It is. And there should be more of that in Star Wars. And when they kind of... Like, that's what I felt like Solo tried to do that at certain points mm-hmm. and hit sometimes, didn't hit it sometimes. Some of them were a little too silly. Yeah. People thought The Last Jedi's humor was more Marvel than it was Star Wars, which I, I agree with. No, I, th- I felt that way about Solo. I didn't feel that way about The Last Jedi. I felt that way a little bit about The Last I Jedi. I thought The Last too. Jedi was dark, man. Oh, no, I agree. But the yeah. humor chosen wasn't really Star Warsy humor. Eh, I guess so. Like the, oh, the opening sequence with uh, Hux and Poe? Yep. Yep. What about when we're back in the X-Wing and uh, Luke is explaining to R2 that they got to go back to the Dagobah system and he says, I got to keep a promise to an old friend. Uh, I think we know what he's talking about, how, how Yoda made him promise that he would come back to Dagobah and finish his training. Yoda's not an old friend. He's a friend and he's old. 
But this was just a couple years later. Like, it's very unclear how long it's been since, like, how long has Luke been away? Yeah, not that long. Uh, I don't really know the the time. I think it's about a year. An old friend, like, he was, he would still feel kind of weird about Yoda. Like, well, yeah, you would think. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's referring to Obi-Wan. Maybe. He's keeping a promise to Obi-Wan. Yeah, he is. So. Yeah, that's true. Return of the Jedi. Are we talking about Luke or are we talking about Anakin? Uh, I do love this. I yeah. absolutely love it. It's absolutely talking about Luke, but I absolutely prefer it as Anakin. Well, it's kind of not dissimilar from The Phantom Menace. You can kind of look at that as being a few different people. Yeah, I do, although I do think that was Palpatine. Yeah. I think George Lucas made that very strategic decision. Like, people will think this might be Maul for the first movie. They'll clue in pretty soon after. It was the best choice he ever made. <laughs> oh, it was. Well, it was definitely his best title. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was his best title. It really is a phenomenal title. Yeah. Uh, but in this instance, um, I, I think he meant Luke, but I do love it as Anakin. Because it, it, it really is. Anakin is the Jedi. He, it, he was supposed to be the one. He, he was the chosen one. Well, and it's... Also, the return of the royal Jedi. Yeah, Just like the broad. It's the it's the coming again of the Jedi theory. Well, that's the reason why it potentially is a. It's it's a, it's kind of a shame that Luke was such a failure as a teacher. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Because the return of the Jedi is supposed to be coming back in this big way and supposed to be able to you know bring back the. The good and the light side and the Republic and no, not so much. I think that's a fair criticism of of this new sequel trilogy and yeah. the last Jedi specifically is that really the whole ending of the original trilogy was the good will rise again. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't as it turns out. Well, and, and exactly it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, although I do love Luke being a failure just cause he's always a failure, but yeah, it's a shame that in this instance, like we get to see that trend continuing where we kind of hoped things would have gotten a little bit better. What do you have for a tougher question for me? Oh, yeah. We have got some questions here. Trivia. Uh, okay. This is one that I think you can get, but maybe not. Uh, which prequel trilogy species was added into the Blu-ray release of the film that was in Jabba's Palace? Uh, prequel trilogy species was present at Jabba's Palace. I'm trying to think of like... Was not in the originals, but was added to the Blu-ray. I'm trying to think of like what, what prequel species. There are so many prequel species that were never... In previous Star Wars movies mm -hmm. at the time, what is what is Watto? Uh, uh, he's a uh, Tar Taldarian. Tar yeah, something like something uh, like Toydarian. That. Yeah, that's well, that's not it. Uh, there's Gungans, but there's no way it's a Gungan. There's no Gungan in Jabba's palace. Uh, I don't know. A Doug. What's a Doug? It's a really good guess with Watto. Uh, yeah. Sebulba. Oh, no way. Yeah. There's a Sebulba in there. Mm. Now, it would be in Star Wars uh, milieu to say that it's like Sebulba's nephew or something. There was n I couldn't find a... Con well, no, it would make sense to be Sebulba. Really? Well, yeah, absolutely. He was Jabba's ringer in the pod racing that Jabba ran on Tatooine. I know, but Sebulba would be old AF now. Well, who knows how long how old Doug's lived to be? I guess. So, oh, well, that's a good point. Who knows how old Doug's lived to be? Right. Um, but no, it doesn't confirm anywhere who this specific Doug is, but I think it would make a lot of sense to just be Sebulba. I always kind of liked Sebulba. It was cool. Speaking of action figures, like, we, we bought those pod racer things. Yeah, you had Sebulba and I had Anakin. I think that was the first time I ever owned $40. <laughs> $40 was, like, the most money I'd ever had, and I spent it on the action figure Sebulba pod racer thing. With like the handle in between the two, uh, yeah. the two big p 
I don't know, you call them big engines, I guess, mm-hmm. big cylindrical engines. Uh, and you could use it to like flicker lights or something. It, they were really cool toys. Pod racers, again, it's like a very specific thing in Star Wars that only exists once. Still so mad that they didn't use pods as opposed to fathiers. Like, we don't need this weird species. Yeah. Give us something. You mean on Canto Bite? On Canto Bite. That yeah. could have been so cool. Having right. slaves race? Yeah. Like, that just, like, that brings back what Anakin did. Well, plus it's like, it's kind of loaded and, and kind of dark, and but it's yeah. cool. I heard a little snippet. I don't know the full thing. I believe it's from a Darth Vader comic, but uh, Luke apparently pod raced young as, as a kid. Oh. And Vader saw him pod race. But he didn't know. He didn't know who he was, but he saw but him he was pod in race. the crowd? Yeah. And he blew up Luke's engine so that he wouldn't beat his own record. Oh, that's a cool story. Yeah. I want to read more on it. I just saw like a little snippet somewhere. Okay, though. Where? Did Vader go back to Tatooine? No idea. He hates sand. I would assume. It's coarse. It's rough. It gets everywhere. And especially in that suit. But Yeah. That's, I've got a lot of questions about I know. that. That's, that's very interesting, but I've got a lot of questions. I will, I will dig deep on that, and maybe we'll have some more questions answers in that next time. Okay. Maybe it was Legends. I don't know. <laughs> I hope it's not. I hope that's canon. That'd be cool. I'm going to give you my master question. What did the structure of Jabba's palace used to serve as before he owned it? Oh, God. What did it used to be before Jabs moved in? It doesn't say in the movie, does it? No. No, that's fair. Um, was it a prison? No, it was a monastery. Oh. It was like a big cathedral. I guess that's kind of fitting. It's kind of better storytelling for him to have, like, taken this thing that's supposed to be, like, pure and beautiful and and made it slimy and awful. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, What planet are Rancors native to? Oh, God. Uh, I could get this, you say? Yeah. (laughs) You could. Um, you just made me guess amongst all potential buildings. All buildings. I'm making you guess only between the planets <laughs> in Star Wars. Yeah, right. Hint, it's not Tatooine. No, I kind of figured it was not Tatooine. Yeah. Um, Gean- and, Geonosis. No, it isn't, but that's that's an interesting guess. I guess. So yeah. that's the water planet, right? No, Geonosis is uh, the oh, rocky planet. I'm thinking of Camino. Yeah. I get them really confused. Yeah, it's not it's not Camino either. No. Uh, no, it would be Dathomir. Dathomir. Well, what do we know Dathomir from? Dathomir is Darth Maul's home planet. Oh, cool. Yeah. Man, they have ugly and the shit sisters, there. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is there not somebody on the Jedi Council who is the same species as Darth Maul? Uh, it's interesting. So, Eeth Koth was supposed to be. Okay. But... Like in the original visual dictionary? Yeah, he was supposed to be the same species, and Darth Maul was supposed to have face tattoos. Mm. But... Then they kind of went back and changed that and made that just his species. Oh, so that's that's not like a tattoo or a marking. No. I don't know if I like that. I kind of prefer it as like war paint. Oh, really? Yeah, I do. Well, one thing that's weird is he seems to be the only red-faced one. Everyone else yeah. is yellow. It's uh, yellow and black. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. But anyway, the, the Dathomirian, I guess that's what they'd be called, the men, the men from Dathomir uh, are not as powerful as the Night Sisters. So the Night Sisters would be the clan on Dathomir that are like witches. Uh, and Ventress was a night sister, for example. Uh, but the uh, the witches can use their magic, and and they restrengthen. They rec- they help Darth Maul recover after his injuries in the Phantom Menace. Oh, okay. So they brought him back up to full health and tyranny. <laughs> okay. Do you have any more observations from this twenty you want to bring up? Uh, yeah. Let's see. Um, interestingly enough, the Rancor sound it was made by a uh, Dashend. 
Oh, that's really funny. A little wiener dog. Yeah. Yeah. What, they just like really modulated it or something? It was a really aggressive dachshund. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He was really mad. Okay, scary. Uh, This is uh, Crate Dragons. So Mm -hmm. Jabba used to actually pit different creatures against his Rancor. I'm so glad you mentioned this because I was going to ask, when Luke is down there and defending himself against the Rancor, I was going to ask, what in the world did the Rancor eat that had a bone the size of a baseball bat? Oh, he used to put tons of different like uh, animals down there up against um, up against the Rancor. So maybe a crate dragon? No. Okay. Not the crate dragon because the crate dragon would have fucked the Rancor up. Well, yeah. Apparently, that's the one thing he wouldn't put down up against the Rancor is because the crate dragon would have killed it so easily. I wish we've seen. I wish we could have seen a, a, a crate dragon like other than just its skeleton. It would be cool to see one in a movie. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really cool. We have to go back to Tatooine, which I really hope they do in episode nine. Oh my god, I hope so. Yeah, I don't know why, but I, I think they really ought to. So I've just got one more quote on this 20, and then we can go on to some news. Okay. Uh, just a really good Emperor quote. Figure we can end on this. Patience, my friend. In time, he will seek you out. And when he does, you will bring him before me. He has grown strong. Only together can we turn him to the dark side of the Force. Yeah, that's good. Such a manipulative line. It's a really great scene. And I was as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, this dude is the best. I didn't appreciate this guy when I was a kid. Oh, no, not I didn't nearly enough either. No. Because it's just so menacing. Yeah. And, like, also, I mean, you have to assume Vader sees right through that, too. Yeah. Bring him to me so we can both turn him. Yeah, right, Palpy. Yeah. Sheev is just going to kill Darth Vader. Right. And, or get Luke to kill Darth Vader and take his place at your side. Yep. So. Entirely true. It's, um, it's really fascinating, and I'm sure there's some kind of fan fiction or uh, alternate universe comic book or whatever. It would be so interesting to know what... Emperor Palpatine could have done with a dark side Luke Skywalker. Oh, he could have done a lot. Yeah. Because George Lucas, Luke Skywalker's most powerful Jedi. I know. So, Okay, so what's what's been going on? We talked about the, the auction that won somebody uh, Han Solo blaster. Of course, the big thing that came out just after we put out last week's podcast. Immediately after. Uh, is a pretty major deal. Yeah, and so this is interesting. Because there are mixed reports. We've talked an awful lot about uh, Star Wars story side films. Yeah, and so we chatted a little bit, I think it was in last week's podcast, about the nine movies potentially that are in the in the pipeline for right. Star Wars. And that focuses on, if it is nine, it would have been three from Benioff and Weiss and three from Ryan Johnson, uh, episode nine, Boba Fett and Kenobi. Yeah. Let's say those are the movies that were on the table. Sure. A report came out that the standalone movies meaning Obi-Wan and Boba Fett, were put on the shelf and all other potential ones that they were doing. Yes. Well, except for that, nobody lost their job. Like, Ryan Johnson didn't lose his gig. Ryan Johnson, he's doing a trilogy. Yeah. And Benioff and Weiss are doing a series of movies. So there are a few different ways in which you can interpret this. Now, Disney is denying this. Yeah. They're saying it's not true. They've got a stocked cupboard full of movies that are not part of the original saga that um, have yet to be announced. But that once again could mean those Benioff and Weiss, so, so Benioff and Weiss and Ryan Johnson ones. Yeah. So it is interesting to see, like, okay, what's the angle they're playing with? Maybe by putting it on the shelf, it's only going to be until Episode Nine is released. Maybe mm. they're just waiting until Episode Nine is released, and then Kathleen Kennedy's going to step down. Yeah. Or she's going to step down as at least head of creative, uh, because maybe she doesn't want to do it for like, like it's like she's one of the best producers in the world. I agree. And she's got her pick of the litter on. She can really do any movie she wants. Yeah. So maybe she wants to experience things outside of Star Wars. Or maybe she's great with Star Wars and she wants to stay within it. And maybe they want to do a creative shift. But I think 
considering the current state and the lack of vision yep. that this entire franchise has, because yep. they're just doing shit at yep. random now, yep. Yep. you need to regroup. And I think that's all it is. I, I'm not one. I don't condone giving the whiny hate nerds on the internet what they want. Mm, no. But it might at this point be a good PR move to have Kathy step back just because that's going to get some people back on the, the bus. Well, yeah, and it's it's interesting because if they decide that, oh, they did this for me because I complained on that subreddit. Well, and that's the thing. They'll never fire her. No, and they shouldn't. No, God, no. No. Uh, and I, I purely just think it would be maybe her choice if she wanted to go that route. But with the way Star Wars is done, I mean, there wasn't a clear decision on what 7, 8, 9 were going to be. There wasn't a through line. Nope. And it wasn't even really stated we're going to do another trilogy. Well, that's a mistake. Yes. It is a mistake to not have a vision of what these movies are going to be right. and what you're trying to build Long run. and having those connection pieces. Like you're doing like Star Wars is an overall is doing an exceptional job of integrating a lot of this. Yeah. Pretty much everything that's canon except for the movies. Yeah. And the movies are these kind of weird off things now where they don't fit the rest of Star Wars canon. And that's where this was all born from. Yeah. Whereas they're only showing certain things to the movies and they're saving the really well-built connected web for the super fans. Give us, give the, give all of us that. Yeah. We all want to see all of it. And that's the thing that doesn't make sense to me is because you can present information and Marvel does it all the time yeah. to people that don't know what they're talking about. I can go into a movie about Ant-Man. I literally know nothing other than that his name is Hank. Mm-hmm. I could probably enjoy Ant-Man if yeah, I went in. Sure you could. Yeah. You know what? Star Wars, please start doing that. Yeah, yeah. I don't need to know who Thrawn is before you introduce him to me in a movie. Nope. Now, that's the case for someone who doesn't know Thrawn. Me, someone who does know Thrawn, I'm losing my shit and I'm super excited. Yeah. The person next to me is just like, who's this interesting new bad guy? You're right. It's rich for everybody that It doesn't way. play. like If they're good characters and we want to see them again, chances are the people who don't know them are going to like them too. Well, and from a, a media standpoint, I don't understand the fact that Disney is literally the most powerful company in entertainment. There's just no two ways about that. Uh, well, actually, some people could say Netflix. More so than Disney, who own 20th Century Fox and everything else, too, and Lucasfilm and... The revenue. If, if you're a business person, could argue. That's okay. all I'll say. All right. Uh, Creation-wise, Disney has a much bigger oh, yeah. back catalog. Anyway. Um, History, absolutely. As powerful as they are, mm -hmm. how come they don't seem to have a better handle on the announcements of their projects? Like, we have had the Kenobi movie appear to be confirmed like three or four times, but never from the horse's mouth. Mm -hmm. And now a movie that was never technically uh, uh, slated publicly anyway has been canceled, although they're denying that too. Mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting. Very, it's very sloppy. It's very sloppy. Yeah. Uh, but apparently Stephen Daldry, we talked about this last time. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know whether this was made known before that recent announcement of them shelving movies, but apparently he's not on the project anymore. Okay. So if he was on it, he's not on it. This is Billy Elliot and the Hours. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So for the Kenobi movie and director. So it's interesting. They talk about, oh yeah, they haven't announced anything, but it's leaking that people are already losing their jobs. Yeah. And so it's it's interesting in that regard. My guess is, seeing as we just heard about the James Mangold stuff with Boba Fett, they're probably just saying, hey, you know what? That's still something we're probably going to do. Mm -hmm. We're not going to get started with you, though, for a little bit. You know what? We're going to approach this, and starting in 2020, we'll have some conversations in January. And then we'll maybe aim for like a 2020 release. Right. Or sorry, not 2020, 2022 or something. 
they're just trying to reassess. That's all I think it well, is. And by the way, and they should. The second half of that announcement, Star Wars is shelving all other Star Wars stories. The second half of that sentence was to focus on Episode Nine. Yeah, and that's great. That's a year and a half, people. Yeah, we're not going to get a movie in that time span anyway. No. And so as long as they're working on something, which I have, I, I believe the goal now is to give us one of Ryan Johnson or Benioff and Weiss after episode nine. Okay. I think the goal is, I think that's what they're trying to tell us and be like, you know what? We're going to start those. And then I think, I think, I absolutely think they'll bring back the standalones, but yeah. I just think it'll be done. I think they may want to do another trilogy before they go into the standalones again. And you know what? Star Wars is better as trilogies. Well, and trilogies force you to be a little bit economical with your output because you have to tell a three-act tale with every new installment, with every series. But what Solo kind of proves to us is that they can just decide whenever they want they're going to make a movie, even if it's completely non-essential. Yeah, and that's the thing I don't like about Solo is if you pluck Solo up and just it never existed... Literally, Star Wars is the same for me. Yeah. It's no richer for, for the existence of that it, film. It just, it really isn't. It yeah. doesn't fill anything in. It's not impactful enough but in the isn't galaxy. Isn't that a huge crime? Yeah, it is. Because you, <laughs> take, you, can't take another, you can't take another movie away other than The Phantom Menace. Nope, you can't. And the Phantom Menace is the worst movie other than The Clone Wars, which you haven't even seen, and you're a big Star Wars fan, so my point. Well, what about Rogue One? I mean, you could take it away. You could, but knowing that that's there. Yeah. You're right. It totally enriches the It changes experience. it completely. Yes. It's one of those ones that, uh, that is fair. You can absolutely go without Rogue One. Yeah. But now that it's there, I'd be pretty hard pressed to tell someone who enjoys any of the movies to not watch Rogue One. Well, exactly. And Whereas Solo, you can get away with it. And like I said, I liked Solo fine. It was fun. Mm -hmm. But I actually think it complicates my viewing of the Han Solo character, who I love. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I still am able to enjoy Harrison Ford, obviously. But when I see him in Jabba's Palace, I'm like... Aaron Reich isn't in this guy anywhere like the that he didn't do it and I know that was kind of like not the goal but like mm. it's this is not what we were I just don't see any connection yeah it shouldn't have happened no but it was enjoyable Thrawn Alliances okay. this was really cool so this is a book it's a sequel to the first Thrawn book written by Timothy Zahn uh, and or the first one that's canon now but we get Hayden Christensen back okay he's on the cover as Anakin. Great. Yeah. So did he show up for like a photo shoot? Very likely not. It no. Is, it is likely just well, well photoshopped and uh, based on past things that they had. But because it, it also looks like him 10 years ago. I'd be, oh. it doesn't, I'd be shocked. It wouldn't make sense. Um, but no, they just, they put his body into the armor that he wore during the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. He looks awesome. He looks so badass. And Thrawn looks like terrifying as well on the cover too it looks awesome it makes oh. me really excited for the book great uh, i didn't read the first one just because i haven't gotten to it yet and i've heard it so long that i just uh, i want to take them more in bite size at this time anything hayden christensen does even if it's just like signing off on something mm -hmm. that's star wars related i really appreciate it. i smile anytime that yeah. he is brought back in any way me too i think that i think bringing him back into the fold a couple of years ago was such a good thing he has to every, show that star has, wars likes him now exactly he has every reason in the world to resent star wars mm -hmm. and if he if he does it won't surprise me but if he can have a sense of humor of some of that and he can appreciate what it is and he can distinguish between real star wars fans and whiny bitches uh i really appreciate that and i think he can yeah, I definitely agree. I'll actually just show it to you right here just so you can see how insanely badass it is. 
Oh, yeah, that is great. Yeah. Thrawn looks really cool in that picture, Yeah, Thrawn too. looks awesome in it as well. Yeah, totally. So, be very cool to see more of Thrawn. I'd like to, I'd be curious to know if they, he'll eventually come into a movie, but never know. They should, yeah. He he is, with Oda Dote, um, the character that has the most demand for movie role. But bringing bring him back into Rebels, a lot of people were happy with that, the books. So, I think more people want, like, a Bane and Revan now, because yeah. they're not, can- well, Bane's can- canon, but we only got couple seconds of them in clone wars what do you think of like a michael fassbender for thrawn michael fassbender is pretty he's i'd say he's probably the most common huh. fan choice i just said that randomly oh maybe, really maybe that was in my brain for some yeah, reason so michael fassbender christian yeah. bale uh, are two names that a lot of people think would be good fits and i agree on both of them i think totally. christian bale would be a better choice yeah um but after seeing steve jobs i actually i don't know because see, michael oh, fassbender is an insanely good actor great actor yeah uh, but yeah, it, Thrawn has such a way about him, and um, I forget his name. Uh, Mad Mad Mickelson's brother actually does the voice of Thrawn yeah. on Rebels, uh, and it's exceptional. It's so calm and menacing in a different way. Um, but he's an actor, so maybe he could pull it off. Yeah, maybe so. Be able to keep the voice consistent—that'd always be cool. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, they could always use the voice anyway. They've done that with Star Wars villains before. Well, it's also that's the thing. Like Darth Maul made his comeback as Sam Witwer's voice of Darth Maul. Yeah. So it was absolutely fitting that they brought, they gave Sam Witwer that option for uh, for Solo 2 uh, and then bringing in Ray, Ray Park. So that was cool. Anything else? No, really not that much news going on other than uh, a lot of people up in arms over what's probably not that much. What else is new? <laughs> All right, so uh, next week we're going to round out the first hour of Return of the Jedi. Watch the first hour of that movie. You'll be caught up for next week's podcast. In the meantime, if you want to send any feedback, you can tweet us at Recorder66, or you can email us, Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. Uh, also, if you listen to us on iTunes, uh, rate and review. Give us full stars, please, so we can chart. May the Force be with you.